Welcome back to Kyle's Internal Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be discussing Time of Contempt, Chapter 6. So this, along with Chapter 7, is uh, sort of a quote-unquote two-parter, if you can consider it a two-parter in a, in a book. Uh, but I consider it the, uh, the, Siri cha- uh, the Siri chapters that really break her, so the breaking of Siri. We have been introduced to her, you know, uh, since sort of Destiny, as this uh, very naive in many ways... Um, you know, uh, princess who's been through some troubles, uh, is slowly losing that behavior, trained as a witcher, trained as a sorceress, um, and she keeps losing everything. And she's very firm in her destiny and that she's supposed to do something special, uh, and that she was born for this thing and blah, blah, blah. And it's given her nothing but pain and misery repeatedly, constantly, nothing new, nothing different, just pure pain. And so here, now that she is stranded in a desert with no one to help her, she's by herself, uh, Geralt and Yen who knows what happened to them it, uh, as far as she's concerned and because she is still you know you know a, a child you know she she's 12 13 years old roughly that that basically her rational brain can't figure everything out so instead her rational side of her brain processes it as abandonment Geralt ponder off to yen again ponder off to Eratusa, and then now she's in the desert by herself because of everything that happened. And while that's not the case in the eyes of Yen and uh, Geralt, once again, perceptions and biases uh, color one's uh, experiences. And as a result, you know, her being a kid, she can't rationalize it that way, so she rationalizes it as abandonment of once again, just like when the slaughter of Sintra happened, she's been abandoned once again, even though, you know, that was out of Calanthe's control just as much as uh, this situation for Geralt and Yen. And so now she's having to figure out how to survive on her own. And she's wandering the Korath Desert, which is a desert in Nilfgaardian territory. Um, and, you know, we'll get into more in that in the next chapter of uh, what what's going on with the people that pick her up at the end of the the chapter and whatnot but you know she's out here trying to survive on her own um and uh th- there there's actually a nice way he, he uh Sapkowski uses the 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 medium of prose to sort of give you a feel of like some of those great desert epics like uh, the good the bad and the ugly with its desert scene uh, lawrence of arabia uh you know etc uh that uh these uh sort of great desert uh you know expanses that go on forever uh, and it seems like you're 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 not going to survive it. Uh, like he has that that bit where she's like, "I won't fall asleep. I won't fall asleep." And then hard cut to next paragraph when she woke up. It adds a nice sense of comedy and levity to what is otherwise a very torturous chapter of pure pain, uh, because he tries to make you feel everything she's feeling: abandonment, loss, misery, um, your fear everything is flowing through this chapter and so having those little moments gives you a sense of levity to to perk up uh and uh not wallow too much in the misery also like throughout her entire deal that she's kind of uh becoming and i've talked about this especially in chapter two during the the market scene that she has become the uh amalgamation of Geralt and yennefer 
uh, in here, you know, she uh, she uses her survival skills given to her by the witchers. And she uses the pack given to her by the sorcerers to uh, use that, you know, skill. So, for instance, you know, the, the ointment becomes a source of nutrition. The uh, tampon becomes a cloth, etc. Um, you know, it, you know, this all had to be uh, used in, uh, to survive in some sort of way. And we get the sense from her, you know, as time goes on and as she wanders in circles, as we find out later, that she's kind of losing herself. Um, you know, she she's like, I must I must not get lost, you know, I uh I have to I have to get up, just like at Caramoran. Uh, you know, uh, I never lose my way. These are these are uh, lines that she has repeated to herself ever since she first showed up. Hell, I never lose my way is some sort of destiny when we first meet her, actually. Um, and it's just this kind of sadness in the fact that, you know, she was born into a certain circumstances and that sort of the circumstances doesn't care what she feels and has removed that from her. And so now she is lost, both metaphorically and literally, when she finally, you know, stumbles upon a Quirrequax, or Little Horse, as I will refer to him, because it's much easier, uh, you know, we, we get this sense of awe and wonder from her. At the same time, it's of what use? You know, there is not just this, oh, it's a unicorn, and I've been told that unicorns are extinct. Um, you know, it is also, how can this thing save me? How can this be useful to me? Uh, those are the same thoughts being processed. Uh, so she is, you know, not quite that little girl we met anymore. Um, and that little girl is slowly fading away into something else entirely. Um, and it's becoming something much more adult, but also a bit more twisted. Uh, and that will come to the forefront, especially in next book. Uh, but speaking of Little Horse, uh, you know, all the way back in Edge of the World, we actually got a mention that uh, the unicorns are extinct. There actually might be a few other mentions in, in previous short stories, but my my earliest memory of that coming up is Edge of the World. Uh, of course, I was talking about that one with Josh at the time, so I didn't bring it up in the spoiler section here. But, you know, that is expressly a point here is that, you know, the unicorns have been extinct for so long. Uh, that no one believes they truly exist. Um, and, you know, there, there's the stuffed unicorn that Geralt and Yen used, of course, that uh, became mummified thanks to the games. But, like, there is this sadness, inherent sadness, uh, that whenever the unicorns are brought up, you know, Geralt, you know, talks about how human cruelty led to their extinction, that uh, there was no reason for them to die, but they did. Uh, and, and that and that shows how the world isn't being preserved the way we think it should, uh, and speaks to the environmentalism message, but also, like, it's a brilliant version that we kept getting, oh, these are extinct, these are extinct, these are extinct. And so when Siri stumbles upon one in the Korath Desert, we're like, um, what? And the way it's presented... Uh, even Siri at one point thinks that Little Horse is a mirage, that it could just be a symptom of the severe heat and her dehydration. Um, and that, the, you know, of course this mystical beast, you know, is not uh, is not real. Um, and of course he is, you know, Little Horse is very much real. And uh, I like how at the beginning of this chapter we, we start with an excerpt about uh, unicorns and unicorns as 
They relate to traditional fairy tales. Uh, they were always this really weird virginity metaphor, and it, it's kind of creepy uh, in a way. Um, and Sukowski doesn't hide away from that and saying, yeah, these unicorns aren't these just majestic beauties. They're kind of creepy. They, they want to take uh, you know people's virginity with their horn and stuff like that. That is um, kind of weird. Um, and of course, that feeds into the entire thing of, you know, Ciri's in this position because of what her bloodline means and how, you know, uh, in in the future, uh, it's already been stated, but, like, in the future it become more evident that people want her for her, uh, not only her bloodline, but her child, the future of her. Um, and so, in effect, everybody wants to rape her in a way. And the unicorn, this majestic beast that in classic fairy tales does that, takes your virginity, didn't, not even once thought of it. Um, and it's a nice little inversion of expectations there. Um, and, and how that, uh, you know, that, that, that plays into the ongoing arc of Siri and how no one ever asked her what she wanted and everybody has expectations of because of what she is rather than who she is and agency and her fight to get it back and to believe in herself and only herself is a very very important topic not only in the overall siri arc but also it's a very important social political uh topic that is important uh throughout witcher that people should have the right to choose this is a fundamental fact of human existence and if you get rid of that choice to choose then you're not really living anymore um and one thing i like about the parallel between little horse and siri is that these are exceptional beings these are beings born out of magic and some other stuff you know they 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 are special in some way, you know, Siri, the chosen one and, and little horse, the unicorn, the extinct race. But now in this desperate situation that that specialness doesn't matter. They, they are both starving. They're both dehydrated. They're both clamoring for something, uh, survival and food and drink. And when you're desperate enough, it doesn't matter who the hell you are. You're just rendered as nothing but a mindless animal at that point. You know, uh, once you strip away everything from someone, they are no different than another person. They are, when we humans are put down to our basic instincts, we are nothing but clawing animals. Uh, and, and that is the point, is that, you know, w what's the difference between Siri and any other princess? Well, you would say her bloodline, but does her bloodline really matter? You know, does it matter to her? Hell no. And that 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 feeds into that ongoing arc, uh, you know, in statement about agency and wants and needs, and how others project onto you, not letting you choose what you want, what you need, etc. Um, and that leads to a lot of misery and pain, as we're going to see with Siri going forward. Now, uh, the the Falcus stuff, you know, Siri pulls. Uh, from a fire source, which she was told not to do. And, uh, you know, the, the magic system comes from the various elements. You know, they tap in the different planes of existence, different spheres. Um, and then when she pulls from fire, she gets a vision of Falka, one of her ancestors. 
Um, and that will get more complicated, especially next book, when we, when we really delve into her ancestry and what her bloodline really means. Uh, but, you know, Falka was tyrant. You know, she led a rebellion that killed countless people, and then uh, she was burned to the stake, and she set a curse uh, you know, on her, on her bloodline that the, her, the child, you know, the child of the elder blood will, you know, uh, burn this world and create a new one out of its ashes, basically. Um, and Falka, in a sense, is a reflection of who Siri is and where she's going now. And, and, and the idea with Falka is that not only is she a reflection of Siri, but she's also a reflection of Siri going down certain paths. At this point, Siri has multiple paths she can go down. Uh, the future is uncertain. She knows some things about the future because of her powers, but there are certain things that are still up in the air. And depending on her choices, you know, she could potentially become a reflection of Falka again. This tyrant, this mass murderer, this person who, in her visions, you know, killed those she loved. And there's this sense that some of these visions aren't half-truths, maybe full-truths. Who knows? Falka is trying to influence her. And whether she was... And whether Falka is a reflection of Siri, uh potential or literal Falka herself inside the magic or inside Ciri's blood is up for interpretation. What really matters is the symbolism here that this previous elder blood person, this previous child, uh, you know, created such havoc and misery for everyone. Uh, and so Ciri, in an attempt to prevent this future from coming to pass, forsakes her magic, refuses to use her magic ever again, relinquishes herself of the source of the power uh getting rid of it as much as she can uh becoming nothing but the girl that now stands before you uh and the unicorns have this uh conversation telepathically where they talk about you know she could be doom we need to get rid of her and like no 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 she forsake or her magic part of her power and therefore there she can't be another falca um, but there is still the potential, you know, we will let her continue on her path and see how she does effectively is what that scene is all about, is we will monitor her. That, you know, the she has compassion, she does care, she healed Little Horse, you know, uh, but with that, uh, you know, she uh, drew in so much power that it became almost sickening. Uh, it's described as a sickening burst of pleasure that almost the 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 what she did with the power didn't matter as much as what the power was and how much she had of it and so she forsakes it but without that power she will be left helpless in certain circumstances and thus we could still potentially come across a falca at some point she has the potential to go there as i was saying that that little girl that we knew you know, back to sort of destiny is slowly fading away. Everything is becoming darker, much more miserable for her. It's less about, you know, oh, this is beautiful, this is wonderful, and it's more about what can this be of use to me? That childlike wonder, especially we saw in chapter two, is gone. This is a new Siri, a different Siri, a darker Siri. And whether Siri will ever recover from this is another question entirely. We do not know, at least not yet. And she's not fully in the dark yet. She could pull herself out. She could delve deeper in. It really depends where she goes from here. But Falka, 
is the potential of Siri. Siri could be a Flamka again, or she could be the chosen one savior that the prophecy talks about. And both can coexist. The prophecy does say that the though the world will end in fire and then we be born anew. Isn't that what the curse of Falka said? Just a bit more violently? So are they the same? Are they different? Um, is there such a thing as choice in this? These are all questions that are at the very heart of what Witcher is all about. Agency and choice and the will to live. And so, you know, these are all furthering. And we'll get more into that next chapter when things get even worse for our dear old child of the Elder Blood. Um, and uh, it becomes a lot more complicated as she fights and fights for her agency that she may never have had or may never will have. So I real quickly want to go into a spoiler real quick. You know, of course, I, I brought up in the non-spoiler section about the the, the prophecy. And the, the big thing about the prophecy is that ultimately it was just Ice Age. And all of this was happening to Siri because of a long ongoing genetic experiment that took away her agency. And this prophecy took away her agency. And all these things, the unicorns, the, the, the kings, Mirror, etc. All want to take her agency away. No one ever asks what she wants. And of course, that's that's very important. Is when we find out that the prophecy, Ithlian's prophecy, is complete and utter bullshit. All of this happened for nothing. A little girl's life was completely and utterly destroyed, and for what? A scientifically, uh, you know, thing that will never that scientifically cannot be stopped. It's the evolution of a planet, and you destroyed this little girl's life for it. You know that that that's the tragedy at the heart of Siri is that she became who she is because of this, the worst monsters are the ones we create. And it was all for nothing. And that, I think, really, once you understand that, this chapter is already very, very affront with its its misery and its pain, and it's very good at that. I remember when I first read it, uh, you know, I felt exhausted, just like Siri felt exhausted, because he was he's doing such a good job of conveying those emotions. But now that you know, uh, once you've read through it and you know what everything's about, you realize just how much this chapter symbolizes that Siri is alone because no one ever asked her what she wanted. Not even Little Horse. Um, and like that's that's the sad thing is that this desert can be almost a metaphor for the fact that nothing came out of anything like this. That she was beaten and broken and alone and tortured like this because of some other people's wants. And did it really matter at all? Now, of course, the obvious, you know, spoiler talk would be the Forsake of Magic. Because she forsakes magic uh, after drawing from a fire source and getting overloaded with power, she will no longer be able to cast certain spells, you know. Um, and this will become a plot point in later. But, like, you know, she still got her magical powers from her bloodline, but those are separate from ordinary magic taught by sorcerers. Um, and... This, of course, is the result of, you know, she she can maybe be able to tap into it occasionally uh, if she's lucky, if some weird coincidence happens, looking at Tara Swallows, but um, most, of the, uh, most of the time, she cannot. She is completely blocked from magic now. She has no magic. She has no power. 
Uh, she is just what she is now and her bloodline. And that will lead to the end of Lady of the Lake when Geralt is killed and ultimately Yen dies trying to heal him, that she cannot save them because she forsaked her magic. So in a way, her visions of Geralt and Yen dying and other people dying as a result of her decisions and what she and what was chosen to her and you know um and Falk's influence it came true just in a different sort of way and so this idea as i've postulated before with the idea of destiny in this world is it does destiny exist does destiny uh you know mean predetermination on everything you do do you have wiggle room etc and there's a back and forth discussion on this throughout all the books um that you know in, and just like in real life no matter what you choose you're fucked uh to quote Sapkowski himself life is basically fucking shit uh and you just gotta endure it so like that that's that's what we got here uh, I shall see you next time for chapter seven, in which we get to introduce the rants, and it's the final chapter of Time of Contempt. Uh, and things get a lot darker for our dear old Siri, uh, and it's only going to get worse. Uh, until then, bye.